You are beautiful. You are worthy. Your dreams were put on your heart for a reason. No matter what anyone else might think of you for following them. So stand up, stand tall, and stand proud. You were made to shine. Sup, everyone. How are we doing? I am sitting here with my sister's dog, um, Ruthie Rue, who is quite insane. And so I don't know if I'll be able to get through this podcast recording without having to pause, let her out, let her pee, and then let her come back. And she always runs circles after she pees or really before she pees. She runs circles like all the time. And it's just in one direction. So she's giving me that look right now. Like she's about to run circles. We're not running circles. We're not running circles. Sit, sit, sit. Um, so you might ask, why did I choose to record this episode knowing that Ruthie Rue was right here about to run circles? Because this is the only time I can do this this weekend. And I did feel like it was important. I got this out because I felt that little nudge on my heart. And you know, you know, you know, you know what I mean when I say that. Because I think sometimes like God gives us all these little nudges and all these little inklings of things he wants us to do. And we don't listen out of fear that we're not doing the right thing or we're afraid that we're not going to be good enough to do the thing that we feel like God is calling us to do. I feel that way a lot of times, every single time. I'm not even kidding you. Every single time I get on here to record, I have to say a little prayer because I'm like, whoop, here we go. Here we go. But I think those are the best things in life. When you do those things that like, and if you can hear water, it's because I'm filling this cup of water for Ruthie Rue. Every time you feel the nudge to do something that you don't feel good enough for, that in my mind at least is how I know it's God. Because I think God calls us to do the things we don't feel good enough for because he knows if we're brave and courageous to just show up to the plate anyways, he's going to take care of the rest. That's why he tells us in Deuteronomy 31.6, when he's talking to the Israelites, that's why he tells them, do not fear, be strong and courageous for I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I remind myself of that every single day. I think sometimes when we read scripture, we read it from the lens of like, this is an old book and it's like a history textbook and it's not applicable. You guys, it is the living, breathing word of God. It is applicable in every aspect of your life. Every time I walk into the office and I'm about to go to a meeting that I do not feel good enough for, or I do not feel confident enough for, or I do not feel like I'm going to be taken seriously in, I remind myself what God calls me to. And it's not necessarily a job. Title. It's not necessarily a, a place or a person. It is a being. It is a state. It is a posture. It is do not fear or dread them. It is be strong and courageous. And I don't know who that's for, but I feel like someone today just needs to be reminded of who God called you to be. We get so bogged down with the wrong focus points. We get focused on where does God want me to go? What job does he want me to take? 
When does he want me to leave this relationship? Where does he want me to move? Which college does he want me to go to? Which person does he want me to date? Who does he want me to marry? How many kids does God want me to have? I think God is much more concerned with who you're going to be when you get there. Are you going to go work in manufacturing or tech? I think he doesn't care nearly as much as he cares. Who are you going to be when you get to manufacturing? Who are you going to be when you get to tech? Who are you going to be when you get to Wofford or Georgia? I don't really think he cares all that much about the details we care more about or care most about because we have it flipped. We think about the wrong things. We don't think about who we're being when we show up places. We're thinking about which is the right place to go, and then I'll worry about who I am. But it's the inverse. Think about who you are. Think about who God called you to be, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel good enough, all the stuff. And for me, that's why in moments like right now where I am literally in my parents' den, watching Ruthie Rue because no one's home and someone had to watch her. I'm like, you know what? God has been bugging me with this word. And I always say a lot of times the messages, God is either one trying to tell you or two trying to get you to tell the world. It often comes like a mosquito that just literally you can't, you can't shoo it away. It is there. It is there for the day. And this was one of those things. What I want to talk about today is the power of asking God the hard questions. The hard questions. What are the hard questions, Annie? The hard questions are, are you real? Are you really there, God? Do you really exist? Are you fiction? Do you even care? Maybe not, are you real? But if you are real, do you even love me? Do you care? Do you see me? How could you possibly know me so well and know my situation so well and know everything that's going on in my life and care about everything that's going on in my life when there are billions and billions of other people you also have to keep track of? How is that possible? Do you really have a plan for my life? Do you really have a path for my life? Or is everything just by chance? Is everything just random? Is there really life after death? Or do I just decompose and do I go into the ground and do I go into the soil and my dead body creates some plants or whatever? Is this real? Is it real that Jesus walked on water? Is it real that I have your spirit? What does that even mean? It's just, is it a feeling? What's the difference between feelings and my spirit? What's the difference between emotions and my spirit? How do I know I'm just not on a spiritual high and it's like all of my adrenaline just pumping in church? How do I know it was the spirit? Is that even real? Is it all a fake mirage? That's what I mean by asking God the real questions. Because this is what I want to tell you. Someone said this to me the other day and it hit me like a lightning bolt because when I started understanding this concept is when my faith actually became real, tangible, intimate. And it was this concept of it's okay to wrestle with God. 
In fact, if you're not wrestling with God on a constant basis, you're probably not that close with him. Because anyone you're super close with, you're bound to wrestle with from time to time. And in order to wrestle with someone, you have to be close to them. Not just from an emotional standpoint, but like a physical standpoint. If you are going to wrestle somebody, you're in contact with them. And I say that to encourage someone because I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church that was very, very strict. It was kind of like, Jesus is the answer. He's real, but don't ask questions about it. Like questions weren't welcomed. You know what I mean? It was just, it was kind of like, we, we believe this because we believe it. Period. No more, no more questions, no more cons- comments. Like we believe Jesus is real and rose from the dead and God is real and you have the spirit in your body because we believe it. That's it. No questions, no questions. And I am a very naturally curious person. I am. It's just like I ask, I, I think questions, I ask questions. Sometimes I think about them before filtering them so they come out sounding a little small-minded, but I just, I have lots of questions. I also believe there are no stupid questions. And I've come to believe that if God is real, he's not afraid of your questions. And I was blessed to have a dad that taught me that. My dad was a teacher. He's a lawyer by trade, but he was a teacher for years before he taught law. And what I love about my dad and my dad's faith is my dad came to know Christ through logic he studied. Like he is a history buff. He loves history. And he came to know Christ by studying and by asking questions. See, a lot of us come to know Christ because we were just told, believe in him, no questions. He's real. Don't question it. My dad came to faith by the other way around. He almost wanted to prove it wrong. And he studied and he studied and something he told me as a young girl was, Annie, if God is real and God is as powerful and big as everyone believes him to be, if he's worth putting your entire faith of your life in, then I promise you he is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your question, is he real? He's not afraid of your question, do you really got me? He's not afraid of your question, do you have a plan and a path for my life? He's not afraid of that. If he is the God of Adam and of Jacob and of David and of Moses and of, of Jesus and of Peter and of Paul and of Mary and of Ruth, if he is the God of all of those people, he's not afraid of your questions. And that's going to set someone free because some of you have been taught to not ever ask questions. That maybe it was like heresy if you asked, is God really real? Or worse, you've been taught to believe that if you question it, it's an indication you don't believe it. And if you question it, it's an indication that you're not worthy of believing in God. And so you just give up altogether because you had questions, but you were afraid to ask them. Or maybe you did ask them and then you were shut down. And all of a sudden you were like, I don't have enough faith to be a Christian because I do have questions. And I'm here to tell you, doubt, questions are not the opposite of faith. 
The opposite of faith is indifference. It's indifference. It's when you don't even care enough to ask questions. It's when you don't even care enough to be curious. I promise you, I have never in my life, ever, ever asked a question about plants. I really haven't. I'm like, I have never asked a question about plants, ever. I don't, and if I did, I can't remember it. It was that insignificant. I did take a botany class, so maybe I did. I'm not sure. My point is, I don't care that much about plants. I'm sorry to my botanist out there. I really don't give a flying riffraff about plants. My indifference towards plants is what makes me far from them. The things that I really care about, the things that I spend time on, AKA, I let, like right now, I'm obsessed with the brain, right? Like I'm obsessed with it. I am obsessed. I'm reading Daniel Amen's Change Your Brain Every Day. It's phenomenal. He, he's a guy that helps a lot of Alzheimer's. I'm so obsessed with it. You guys, I have so many questions, like so many questions, anxiety, I have always been typically a student of the things that I go through. Like I'm a, by nature, very anxious person and I've struggled with anxiety a lot in my life. And so I have tons of questions on anxiety. And the more that I find out, the more questions that I have. Does that mean that I am further in my understanding of anxiety than I am of plants? Because I have no questions about plants, but I have tons of questions about anxiety. No, in fact, it's the opposite. I know so much more about anxiety than I do plants because I have so many questions about anxiety and because I keep having questions about anxiety. One of my high school English teachers told me, she said, Annie, I know that, no, no, it wasn't high school, it was college. One of my psychology professors told me I grade how well I taught my kids in school by how little they feel like they know about the world when they leave this school. I'm saying that again. I grade how well I taught my kids in school by how little they feel they know about the world when they leave this place. What did she mean by that? Well, have you ever learned, like have you ever taken a test, right? And you know how you take a test and then like two days before the test, I don't know if you had this in high school, but there would be like a teacher review day. And like in the class, you would do a review session and the teachers would be like, okay, kids, what questions do you have for the test tomorrow or the next day? And if you were anything like me, I studied like three weeks in advance for tests. So I had tons of questions, but 99% of the kids hadn't started studying yet. So let's take Susie. Susie had not started studying yet. So guess who didn't have a lot of questions in that review session? Susie. Why didn't Susie have a lot of questions? Because a lot of times you don't even know what you don't even know. Like in order to have questions, you have, a, you have to have a foundational understanding of what's required of you and the gap between where you're at and what's required of you. 
If you haven't started studying, you probably don't know what's required of you and you have no idea what that gap is because you don't even know what you don't even know. Whereas once you start learning and studying and synthesizing information, the gap between what's required of you and what you know becomes so much more apparent that you can start articulating questions to things that you actually know that you have questions on. It is the same thing with faith. This is why I get so upset when people ask questions that are real, that are raw, that I think God says, yes, ask those questions because I'm not scared of them. And because that means you're wanting to get to know me. You're wanting to get to know what's required of you. You're wanting to get to know where you're at. You're wanting to get to know me more. I mean, think of any intimate relationship in your life. I mean, I think back on my like romantic relationships and my friendships and even my family. It's like our relationships started getting real when the hard questions started getting asked. If you don't ask the hard questions, you can't have a real relationship with anyone. And I think that's why a lot of us Christians go to church and we sing the songs and a lot of Christians look at other Christians with their hands in the air and tears streaming down their face and they're like, why are they so into it? It's because we have so many people going to church and they they cross-stitch the Bible verses and they wear a cross around their neck, but they don't know God. They don't know him. They don't talk to him. They think he's this big, scary thing that's way far away and that we have to be perfect and wear bows in our hair that match our Sunday school dresses and bow down before, which yes, he is Lord. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the highest. He is the almighty. He is also your father. He is also your best friend. He is also the one that formed you before the world knew you. He set you apart before you were born. He loves you so much. And more than anything in this world, he didn't send Jesus to die for you so that you could just be scared of him your whole life. He sent Jesus to take away the sin of the world so that he could have a relationship with you. More than anything in this world, he wanted a relationship with you. And a relationship is two-sided. God wants you to get to know him. And intimacy doesn't start until the real questions are asked. So I don't know if this is even for anyone today. But if it's for you, I just want you to know you can ask the questions really tough questions. God isn't scared of them. God is not scared of the question, are you real? God isn't scared of the question, are you really there? God isn't scared of the question, God, increase my faith today. God, that's my prayer recently. I'm like, God, increase my faith today. I wanna see you today. I wanna see you in somebody. Show me somebody with you today. I pray that you send me somebody that I'm like, it takes my breath away. Like, holy crap, God did that. And it, that's happened. That has literally happened. That's happened in my office. That's happened in, in my gym. That's happened because I pray, God, I think you're real, 
but help me see you more. Because here's the thing, and this is what I've surrendered. I used to think doubt was the opposite of faith. And I told you indifferences. If you care enough to ask God these questions, you're on the right path. I promise you. Doubt is a rest, it's an ingredient in the recipe of faith. You can't have faith without doubt. It's the hope of things, or it's the essence of things hoped for and the essence of things unseen. Unseen, it means we've never seen them. It means we don't entirely know. No Christian, no Jesus follower is 100% certain. If we had 100% certainty, there would be no reason for faith. So doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's a requirement for faith. You have to have some part of you that's like, I really, I really don't know, but I believe it because I've seen this and I've seen that and I've seen this and this and this. And I told God, God, I don't know if you're real, but just increase my faith if you are. And he did this and this and this. And it's just some things I can't explain. Doubt is an ingredient in the recipe of faith. And some of you, have been carrying this shame, thinking you can't get to know God. You're not good enough for it. You don't meet the requirements because you have doubt. You have questions. And let me tell you, friend, if anything, that's your biggest indication. God is tugging on your heart. I think God tugs on our hearts with questions. If you're asking yourself, God, are you real? If you're asking yourself, is he really out there? Do you really have a plan for me? I think that's your first sign God is knocking on your door. Like I said, I've never ever asked a question about plants because I don't care about plants. I don't care enough to waste one ounce of my energy asking a question about something I don't care about. But God, I, I ask lots of questions about God. Are you real? Are you there? I still do. Because like I said, you never know. No one ever knows. It's faith. It's faith. It's not a crutch. It's faith. It's saying some of this I can back up with evidence. Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, that was a historical event. You know, Christianity is the only faith that's based on a historical event. And there's been no historical evidence to disprove it right? But then there's this other part of it that's like, no one really knows. That's why it's faith. That's why it's faith. It's this thing that keeps chasing you. It's like you can't, like the mosquito in the beginning of this, I was telling you guys, it's this thing you can't, you can't shoo away. It keeps coming back. And some of you, you've had these questions keep coming back. I think that's God knocking on your door. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your questions. God isn't afraid of your questions. If God's real, which I believe with every part of my being from what I've seen and from what I know, if God is real, he's not afraid of your questions. Not the God that made the universe. Not the God that made you. Not the God that made me. Not the God that's so big. He's the alpha and the omega. That God is not afraid of your questions. So why are you? In order to be wrestling with God, 
You have to be close to him. Send me love. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening all the way through. The fact that you did says so much about your willingness and curiosity to get into your personal development and growth. You guys, if this episode touched you and your spirit in any way, I pray that you share with two friends that you think would really find value in this. This is how these messages get around. And I know I personally just really appreciate when a friend thinks of me when they listen to something and think that I'll find value in it as well. Also, if you find so willing, please tag to your Instagram stories and make sure to tag Annie B. Mayfield. At the end of every month, I will be doing a drawing from everyone that is posted on their Instagram stories for a $50 Amazon gift card. You guys, I appreciate and love you all so much. Have an amazing day.